what's going on with all these school shooters' parents? So that's a good question. I, I, I don't have the answer, Sway. People, parents, <laughs> parents will go to jail for leaving their kid in a car. Yeah. Cars cranked, ACs running. Yeah. You go in to pay for they gas. They lock your ass up. They'll lock your ass up. Yeah. There are child endangerment laws that, as a firearm owner, you are responsible to maintain control or possession of the firearm at mm -hmm. all times. Today's episode of The Cognac Room is brought to you by Opulexi. Opulexi specializes in premium liquid lipstick, not just a cosmetic line. They're challenging women to embrace their confidence with an effortless beauty approach. Their motto, be substantial. You can find their products at opulexi.com. Hello and welcome to The Cognac Room. I'm your host, Jay Christian, and this is episode number five, Gun Talk. In this episode, you guys get to listen in on my conversation with an Army veteran. We discuss things such as violence, bullies, school shootings, and gun control. It was a very interesting conversation. I myself learned a lot. So without further ado, pull up a chair, pour up a glass, and let's discuss. Let's talk about your love for for firearms. Where did that start as far as you know? Well, hold on. Hold on. I do want to get... Okay, let's do that and then we'll go back. Okay, so where did that start? When I was uh, when I was growing up as a little kid, uh, we used to go to the mountains every summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's where my grandparents had retired to. They had a little piece of property up there um, with guns... The way they, they're restricted nowadays, you can't really shoot anywhere you want for recreational or for sport purposes or for amusement. Okay. Um, up there in the mountains, it's outside of county, city limits, things like that. You gotcha. can You can kind of shoot it at will. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd spend our summers up there shooting 22 rifles, different things that, you know, soda bottles or whatever. And that, that's where kind of my, my love for firearms originated um i grew up in a household full of guns uh my dad's okay. a vietnam veteran uh army i come from a a long line of army uh veterans my dad served in vietnam his brother served in vietnam and korea my grandfather mm. served in world war ii um you know there's been guns for generations and generations okay um as a little kid one of the things that dad did to instill in us the importance of gun safety is he he took a five gallon jug of water and he shot it with a 45 mm -hmm. and as a as a little kid you know I was, I was probably three four years old when he did this and it, it exploded mm -hmm. and for me you know some of my sisters going through the same scenario it, it kind of put a fear of guns into them they they're not mm -hmm. really big fans of them they right. They know they're loud. They go bang. They make stuff explode. <laughs> right. They, they never really had a, an interest in them. Right. Okay. Um, I, from the moment that water jug exploded, I knew dad wasn't joking mm -hmm. when he said, don't touch my gun. Yeah. You know, he, he was going to, he's going to hit you with the belt if you touched his gun. Right. He, he, that was the gun safety thing that this is what it's capable of. This is what it'll do. You will not ever touch it unless I'm present. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm standing there with you, you do not touch my guns. I don't care if it's on the kitchen table, 
It's on top of the refrigerator. It can be anywhere in the house. You know better than to touch it. Okay. Um, but as a, as a you know, as a wild little boy running around seeing that jug explode mm-hmm. when, when Dad did, it just sparked an interest. It made an impression on you. Yeah I, yeah, I knew that it was dangerous and that I couldn't touch it, but I also knew that I wanted to. <laughs> right. That, that right. It was it was really cool. You know, I didn't. So have, you so did you ever sneak in there and actually put your hands on that I did gun? Not. You did. I've never. Even to this day, I, I, I'm a grown man, and Dad's 75 years old. Yeah. Even to this day, I do not touch his firearms without his permission. Okay. Okay. I, that's one thing. I. They they've been everywhere throughout the house as growing up as a kid. When I when I got to the point in later in life where I mm-hmm. thought that I was old enough to touch him, right? He made it very clear that I still wasn't. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I remember. It was probably like 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know how old I was then. I might have been 14, 12, 14, somewhere okay. right around there. Yeah. We just got our first desktop computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I would go in there, use, this, use the computer for school, if there was a gun laying on the computer desk, I remember one time in particular, I, I picked it up and carried it in the living room and was handed it to dad. Yeah. And he hit me with his belt. Yeah, got that ass to it because he, you were, yeah. Because I thought that I was, be... I was old enough to touch it. I, yeah. I knew, you know, no, don't put your finger on the trigger, point mm-hmm. it in a safe direction. I knew all the safety aspects to yeah. it. And I, I heard by that as I, as I was carrying it to him. But as soon as I got there, he he reiterated the fact that right. I was not don't old touch enough it. to do that. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So tell us. So, and that's what I meant when I said, like, I'll go ahead and let you uh, say that, and then we'll we'll go back. So, the listeners never met you, don't know anything about you. Give us some background, which that was some of your background there, but give us some background info. Uh, I'm almost 30. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in a small town right outside of Charlotte. Uh, I did 17. I joined the Army. I did six wow. years uh, U.S. Army. I did uh, active duty reserve National Guard. I've been all around the states and the world. I did a tour in Afghanistan, 2011-2012. Uh, I got blown up twice mm. while over there. Purple Heart recipient. Uh, got combat action badge and numerous military decorations. Uh, I hung up that uniform in 2015. Uh after two years in reserves, uh, 2013, when I started my reserve duty here in North Carolina, I settled down right close to where I was born. Uh, went to work in the steel business. It was mm-hmm. just kind of readily available. I didn't know anything about steel at the time. I'd never worked, you know, cranes, forklifts, things like that. Okay. But uh, I just I knew some people that knew some people that were working for a company in Charlotte, and the pay was decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out over there, and uh, shortly after that came wife and three kids. Wow. Uh, bought a house probably five minutes from where I was born. Um, I live there now. I've got a uh, wife, three kids. Two, My youngest is two. My oldest is five. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently work for another steel company. Uh, that's That's pretty much me. I wake up, go to work, do what I can to make make sure that my kids have a better life than I had, and mm-hmm. 
do the same thing the next day. What is your stance? Let's just get right into it, like dive in head first. What is your stance on the gun laws? What they are now, what people would like to see, where people would like to see them going. And um, like a, a good compromise. What's good? What would be a good middle ground? So my my original thought on that subject there would be opinion based, and I, I strongly believe in in that opinion. But I, I also understand that it's it may not be realistic. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, the Second Amendment of the Constitution says shall not be infringed. Uh, by definition. That means it should not be imposed upon. Right. Uh, I believe that the current state of gun control or gun laws in our country mm -hmm. have done just that by imposing upon individuals' freedoms and rights to access or carry firearms. Um, you know, myself, I, I have a, a valid concealed carry weapons permit. Mm -hmm. um, I can legally obtain, purchase, and carry a firearm. Yeah. Even with that permit, that training, that... Uh, I paid the I paid the government to allow me that right. Right. Even by doing so, I'm still restricted as to where or what I can carry, what yeah. I, where okay. and what I can purchase. Yeah. Um, now, first of all, you feel I, like that's just or unjust? I, I feel like that's unjust. I feel like we're I'm paying for a right that I people have already fought and died for. Mm -hmm. I you know you had I had to pay to take a class. Then I had to pay for a background check. Then I had to mm -hmm. pay pay for the sheriff's department to do this and do that, and then actually write and sign the permit. In total, okay. pro I probably have about two hundred dollars in that piece of paper that Damn. allows me a right that's already constitutionally guaranteed. Okay. Um, but even with that piece of paper, I paid I paid their extortion fees, <laughs> and even by doing so, I'm still limited Damn. to where or what I can carry. Extortion fees. That, that's exactly what it is. It's extortion. Yeah. It's the. Uh, I was reading an article the other day. Um, the government tore the the mafia apart brick by brick. Mm -hmm. They they. They had a big thing early 30s, 40s, 50s where, you know, the Irish mob, this mob, mm -hmm. that mob, uh, they were they were locking them up left and right. They were they were running all kind of raids and busts trying to get them on, on extortion, right. drug trafficking, gun trafficking, whatever, whatever their business was. They were they were running raids and busting them. OK. And they, they found a way to they found twist a, it. they found a way to get rid of the mob. Right. Uh, because what they were doing was illegal. Mm -hmm. quote unquote however since the mob no longer is going from storefront to storefront charging people extortion fees to, <laughs> to stay in business now, right now the government's doing it okay now now you have to pay for a business license you have to pay for a gun permit you mm -hmm. have to pay tax on this you have to pay tax on has that. it always been that way it's it's gotten worse over the last 30 40 years uh i've got a we got a fact sheet here. I'll find. Okay, uh, well, we're all about facts, man. So I, I I appreciate your research. 125 years ago, you didn't have to ask permission from the government to collect rainwater, go fishing, own property, start a business, renovate your home, build a home, use transportation vehicles, get married, hunt, own a weapon, cut 
cut hair, sell a product, protest, grow food on your own property, set up a lemonade stand, stand or sell food. So let me ask you this. Now you have to have permits or request permission to do all of them things. Really? Yes. The one that stood out to me the most. Go down that list one more time. You won't have to go very far. There collect, was one. Collect rainwater. That bingo. Why the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, man. Would I need a permit or permission to collect rainwater outside my fucking house? Because man. it imposes with big business. If you start collecting rainwater, you're going to use less water in your house because you're either going to use that for what you would call a non-portable source of water. Mm -hmm. Non-portable is not drinking water. Right. So, like, you're going to wash your hands. I always thought it said non-potable. It may be non-potable. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think it is. I'm not sure, though. One of non pot you got non potable and potable, and I want to say non potable is the the terminology used for water that you're not you can't, drinking. Yeah, yeah, you can't drink. Um, right. That would be water you're using, like wash mm -hmm. your car, flush your toilet, okay, things like that. Yeah. Uh, even if you you were to collect rainwater and purify it, regardless of what you're doing with it, you're gonna these use, motherfuckers are crazy. You're man. gonna use less water. <laughs> your water is run through the government. It's usually right. the city you live in. The city, yeah. the city of Lowell, sells me water. Yeah. If I'm collecting rainwater, first of water, all, you have to buy water. Like, if I'm if I'm collecting rainwater, I'm buying less water from them. And that's you think that's the only motivation behind that? Why Why else would you restrict that? Let me ask you this: Are you a conspiracy theorist at all? To an extent, okay. I, I'm I, with you on that. I like to I like to hear people's theories. Mm -hmm. I some of them are justified. Some of them hold water. Some of them are extremely off the charts. Some, right. of, some of them are just ridiculous. However, mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of things that I believe the government does control or manipulate. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with for, that. For their own best yeah. interest. Yeah. So conspiracy theory, I, I probably have a few of my own. If you, if you listen to my wife talk, she thinks <laughs> I'm a nut. So, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'm okay with it because this is the cognac room. This is what we do. I had mentioned to you that I was going to the beach. I'd be at the beach, be hanging out. Uh, unfortunately, our our dates didn't line up. So actually, I believe the day I left, you arrived. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, or maybe the day after. Um, and then you you had more time scheduled. But because of something pertaining to one of your children, you had to come back a little sooner. With that being said... I remember asking you, like we were texting each other about about meeting up for this podcast. And I remember you, I asked you, I was like, well, no, you actually said something like, man, this would have been awesome if, awesome if we could have recorded here and talked about, you know, the gun laws or whatever, a beach episode, excuse me, a beach episode. And, and you were like, uh, I think you asked me, did I carry while I was there? Which I did not. Honestly, I didn't. Um, and <laughs> I asked you the same, the same question and I was baffled by your response, man. <laughs> uh, so in any situation that I, that I find myself in, mm -hmm. I, as, as a father of three small children and as a husband, mm -hmm. I feel it my duty to protect my wife and my children. Mm-hmm. And in whatever Agreed. situation 
we may find ourselves in, I, I prepare for the worst and expect the best. Okay. Or hope for the best. Right. Um, but the further away from home you go, mm-hmm. the the larger crowd of people you're around, mm. the uh, if you're going to what you would maybe necessarily not necessarily consider shady, but just kind of a a sketch environment. With yeah, a, I was about to say sketchy. A, yeah, with a lot yeah. of different people from all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, and a large group of people. The the more the situation dictates, the the more I prepare for that. Okay. Um. Being four hours away from home, not having a renewable access to firearms or ammunition mm-hmm. uh, in order to protect my family and not knowing what's going to take place during our excursion, mm-hmm. I try. I typically pack heavy. Yeah. Um, on a day-to-day basis, you know, I carry, I carry everywhere I go. Okay. Um, and typically I carry one firearm and a couple magazines. Right. That wasn't the case. <laughs> now, if, if I'm going somewhere, you know, far away from home or yeah. if I'm going somewhere where I feel there may be a, a threat, mm-hmm. then I typically carry a lot more. Um, and reason being is because I carry whatever I feel necessary to. Uh, oh, wow. I, I carry whatever God, I feel damn, necessary man. to protect my family. Did you think that there were zombies? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I'm looking at a picture of what this guy is. This what you? Took that's that's to what the I beach? took to the beach. That's uh, that's on top of the hotel room safe. Wow. That's two pistols, six magazines, and 150 rounds of ammunition. Not counting what's in the three magazines per firearm. Yeah, man. Like you were prepared to kill something. I, I was prepared for whatever whatever may arose. So, if if you think about it. Listen, worst case scenario. Okay. Let's, case let's scenario. say I, I stayed in a 15 story high rise mm-hmm. resort. Right. Okay. Um, there's roughly, if I had to guess, I, I don't know the exact number. If I had to guess, there's probably a thousand plus rooms. Okay. Let's say two occupants per room or more. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at two to three thousand people just in that one resort. Mm-hmm. Um, if something had have happened, if there had been been a riot, been a shooting, been you know any type of physical altercation, mm-hmm. I felt that that's what was necessary to get my children and my wife from that point to safety. To safety, yeah. And it's not necessary. You said you know I was ready to kill somebody. It's not. I tell my wife this a lot. It's not about how many bullets do I need to kill everybody that's in that place. I'll never have enough bullets to shoot everybody. Okay. I can buy and buy and buy and buy. You'll never have that many bullets. You can't go into a gunfight with that mindset. The mindset is what will it take for me and my children and my wife to get to safety? Mm -hmm. If I go into Walmart and there's, there's a thousand people in Walmart, I'm not carrying a thousand rounds into Walmart. Right. I'm not preparing to shoot every person in Walmart. You have to shoot the motherfucker that counts. But if if <laughs> three, if three guys run in with guns and try yeah. to rob the place, I'm shooting whoever necessary. I probably any given time the fewest number of rounds I've got on my person would be 14, 20, like 21, 22 mm-hmm. rounds. Um I feel that that would be enough to get from Walmart to my vehicle. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not just gonna start spraying. I'm not just gonna open <laughs> fire on the the general public. 
Right. I'm I'm going to draw my weapon and I'm going to walk in a very aggressive manner towards the nearest exit so that I can get my children to safety. Okay. Anybody that impedes that egress path mm-hmm. will be deemed a threatened shot. Okay. So and then here here's where we get into get into the uh the technological the te- oh shit. <laughs> the technical Okay, I'm not. I'm not even going to try to fucking say it right now. The technical aspect, the technological side of that is, as a husband, as a father, as a man, you are protecting those whom you love, right? Those who you love. All right, so it's all about protecting them, making it to you know your destination, getting to your car, getting the fuck out of there, obviously. But if there are casualties along the way, I feel like this, there could be some mistaken casualties. Like, you know, you're trying to get to your car and and this this guy just doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And he's like, hey, man, slow the fuck down. Like, he's like, hey, man, let me talk to you. And he's trying to stop you. That's a dead motherfucker, man. Depending, depending on the situation. So in that particular scenario, you can go one of two ways. And I... I Honestly, I believe both. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to shoot him, listening, I would I would deem that justifiable. I would say that in the heat of battle, I felt that he posed a threat to me mm-hmm. and my family. He he was an obstacle on our path of egress to safety. So however, you don't like where this conversation is about to go. You will not like where this is about to go. <laughs> however. I also believe that if he does not physically impose that route to safety, okay. yeah. I have no I have no reason necessary to shoot him. So if he if he's an unarmed bystander, as you just said, but how would you know? You and, don't know. And that's where you don't know. If and that's and this is a little off topic, but this is why I dislike body camps so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason being is because there are aspects of every situation that cannot be accounted for in video surveillance footage, and they cannot be accounted for in talk. I don't know if I agree with that. I, let, let me give some supporting details. Okay. Reason why. Yeah. When, when, the, when the first round goes off, there are elemental aspects to that environment mm-hmm. that you cannot comprehend okay. or understand like you can't feel the energy yes you okay. don't you don't understand yeah if you see a guy walking on a video mm-hmm. or, but you can't shoot a motherfucker because they gave you the wrong energy though well, we're not allowed to do that <laughs> but say say in the video that the scenario we're just talking about walmart i'm running out yeah, yeah, yeah. there there's a guy walking towards me and for whatever reason i shoot him because i feel like he's posing a threat to to right. my safety or yeah. to my escape. Yeah. In the video, you may just see an innocent guy standing there with no firearm. Uh, In reality, he may have threatened me. He may have walked towards me in an aggressive manner. He may have grabbed my children. He may have said something. Mm-hmm. He may have tried to block our, our path of escape. He, he may have done something mm-hmm. that I deemed him as a threat. Yeah. And you may not be able to see that. In a in a video, so 
what I gather from everything you just said there is that perception, perception is everything. And I, I agree with that 100%. Perception is everything. But the only issue I have with that is, let's say, for example, you had an autistic child who was bigger than most children, right? He was 14, but he looked like he was, you know, I don't know, 25, right? Just in height and statue and whatever else. And because he's autistic, he has a propensity to charge towards people. But he's not charging towards them to harm them. He's charging towards them because he wants to go and shake their hand or play in their hair or or get a hug or whatever, right? And I was just, I won't even use the term trigger happy because that that's what everybody always says. Oh, it's trigger happy. No, not necessarily. But I was cautious and I'm protective of my family. And I say, you know, or the way I perce- my perception is there's this big white guy <laughs> charging us and I have to take him down, right? So that brings us back to what we were talking about before, pre-show or during the show, escalation of force. Mm-hmm. If uh, I believe you have the right to defend yourself up to and including lethal force. Mm. But if somebody somebody smacks you, it doesn't necessarily dictate that you should shoot. But I also told you <laughs> that if a motherfucker smacked me hard enough, I might shoot there. I did. I told you that. And, and I, I wasn't joking. Like, and I mean, some, people, some people feel that way. However, you, you may feel that way in the heat of the moment. Somebody smacks you. You got, you go. you got a gun in yeah, your belt. Absolutely. You're, you're like, I'm going to handle this guy. Yeah, true. However, you have to answer for that action. That's when true. when yeah. you yeah. go before a judge, if you tell a judge that he smacked me, so I shot him, that's not necessarily. They may not defense. see it the same way. Yeah. True. That's one of the things where, you know, is it really worth life in prison or, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years of your life? However, whatever the sentence might be, is it worth it? So how are you able as a as a as a gun holder? How are you able to differentiate? How are you able to like you told me earlier that that you you you're you're an angry individual. I I have a a inner angry person. Right. Um and that that's just kind of a repressed uh upbringing that that's how I was I, I was raised by in a military household mm-hmm. by by a veteran okay um, and then I joined the service myself so he taught you to be angry not necessarily but uh he he taught me to be dominant he taught me to be you know a, kind of a, a manly man uh and up in that I I kind of learned to be aggressive, be dominant, yeah. be yeah. be fearful. You know, yeah. impose your yourself into the own the situation so that mm-hmm. you can take control of it. Okay, um, All right. and, and the military does the same thing. The ninety percent of the gear that the military wears mm-hmm. isn't always purchased because it's what's the latest and greatest, or it's the best for the guys protectively. Okay. They they're made to look like dominant badasses. Mm. It, and it's because you would rather strike fear into the heart of the enemy than to actually have to fight the enemy. <laughs> okay. You, yeah, if, I do relate to that. If you roll in so. 
if you roll into Kalat City, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. with 11 DO7s, 11 machine guns, and 47 guys wearing multicam and shades, mm-hmm. they all hop out of the truck. They they get their way. They do whatever they want. They go wherever they want. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time without a shot fired because everybody looks at the ground and walks away. Mm. Nobody wants to meet confrontation like that. Okay. Head on. Especially okay. if, if you're one guy with an AK-47 mm-hmm. versus 11 trucks with machine guns, 47 guys with rifles and sidearms, they all hop out of the truck. With intimidation. Them. Yeah, intimidation. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, that's how I I lived life. Mm-hmm. Because of my, my ch- upbringing and because of my military training and, you know, that was my, that was my first career. Men are, are nothing more than an evolved animal, regardless of whether you believe in religion or whether you believe in uh, evolution. Mm-hmm. We have animal-like characteristics. Okay. And one of them being is when we feel threatened, we get loud. We, we make ourselves look big. We yeah. puff out our chest. Like a peacock. We, we flex our arms. We get <laughs> we, loud. Yeah. We raise yeah. our voice. I hear that. Yeah. That's, that's when you feel threatened, though. Mm. That's not typically when you want to threaten someone. If, You're right. If I want to threaten someone, if I want to make someone fear for their life, mm-hmm. I can do that just simply by putting my Quietly. hand on your shoulder. Quietly. And whispering yeah. some fucked up shit in your ear. It wasn't until I became an adult that I actually understood that. Because I'd be like, oh, I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to goddamn rape your babies and eat your dogs. and Or maybe it was in <laughs> reverse. I don't know. But <laughs> I'd be like that crazy motherfucker. But when I really meant the shit and I was for real, I was like, hey, man, you fucked up. And when you smell my cologne, like you only had to see me. I was on some shit like you won't see me. But if you know what I smell like and you smell that in the air, just know that by the time you turn around, you're fucking done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what crazy when you, shit. When you're as as a man, as that the animal instinct, when you're in an aggressive attack, uh, you're on the offensive. You you don't have to be loud. You don't have to yeah, true. to yeah, show true. down. You you already have a a plan of action. You already mm-hmm. know that this is what I'm going to do. Or I. I don't, I don't even have to worry about that pipsqueak. I can I can take them with my yeah. eyes closed. Yeah. You know no that. Shit. Whenever you're in a defensive position, mm-hmm. whenever you're you're scared. You're already on your heels, You, you typically get loud. You're you, already on you, your fucking heels. You try to make yourself yeah. look bigger. You try to you try to act strong, yeah. talk big. Yeah. You're trying to <laughs> you're trying to talk yourself, you're trying to talk your opponent out of the fight. Yeah. And I noticed, yeah, damn, that's good shit. I've noticed over over time. (laughs) I used to, as a kid, I would fight. Dad used to tell me, you know, jokingly, I would fight at the drop of a hat, Mm -hmm. and I would give you the hat to drop. Damn. Okay. And you know, I I grew up with a standing rule that if I got in trouble for fighting, I would not be punished as long as I did not start it. Yeah, I was if, no. That was my rule too. If I was defending yeah. myself or one of my siblings, yeah, you can whip ass, but don't start the fight. Yeah. yeah. After sure. after dad having to come get me from school numerous numerous times, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Uh, one year in high school, I got into a, a physical altercation. Dad had to come pick me up, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he was mad or disappointed, but he he didn't really say anything the whole car ride. You know, I got in the he truck and he just looked at me and he drove home. Damn. And you know, I was you like, felt oh, like shit, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was like, oh hell, what's gonna happen when we get home? You know, <laughs> right? 
am I in trouble? So as we get closer to the house, I'm like, Dad, you know I didn't start that. I was like, he hit me in the face. I was like, and then he ran off, so I had to chase him down and whoop his ass. Yeah. And Dad's like, yeah, I'm sure he did. I was like, no, I'm serious. He really did. He's like, yeah, but what'd you do to make him punch you in the face? Oh, shit. He's like, how'd you antagonize the him? The bigger picture. I was, the he's bigger like, picture. He's like, you always say they hit you first. He's like, but what, what'd you do to make it happen? You probably did do something. Uh, and that's what I look back <laughs> at it. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of where I learned the laugh at the guy who's scared. Mm. Because used to, you know, as a, as a younger person, that loud, scared person, that, yep. that guy big and talked bad really upset me. Like it would, it would, it would dig at me. So I would feed off that as yeah. he, as he was talking about how he was going to whoop my ass or mm -hmm. how he was going to do this or do that. And, you know, F you and your mom and mm -hmm. blah, 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 all, all yeah. the trash talking that they did. Yeah. They're, good, would, they're would, good at that. I would jump right <laughs> back on top of it with the, you know, Shut up and shut up and swing, you know. Yeah, nah, you know, they don't want to do that. I would antagonize. They don't want to do that. So seeing how so many people are temperamental and have these uh, opinions and whatever else of of uh, of life, like you know, it's like, oh, I'm mad at you. You did you disrespected me. I fucking kill you. I got a gun in my waist. Like seeing how people are like that. How can you? So you you're pro guns, right? Pro gun. Okay. How can you remain pro gun and be pro gun, knowing that you have these fucking idiots out here that are like, you know, just waiting for an opportunity or a situation to arise so that they can shoot them motherfucker? Because I've been that guy. I've been the guy that has said, "Hey, you know what? If this or that happens, I'm gonna shoot me a motherfucker." I've been that guy. Have you, have you ever been shot at? I have been. I'm black. <laughs> I'm black, and I came up in the hood. I've been shot at. Have, you ever, have you ever returned fire? I have. Yeah. I have. And I've actually, well, no, that might be a bit incriminating. So. Without I, without hesitation, have you returned fire? I, I absolutely. If I'm being shot at, I'm going to return fire without hesitation. I, statistically, in, in my experience, though, the people who say they will in a situation mm -hmm. are the, the ones who talk about it. The I'll mm -hmm. kill you. I'll mm -hmm. do this. I'll do that. Are, are statistics. They won't do it. The ones that either hesitate or don't do. No, you know? I, I know for a fact because I've been placed in certain situations. I know for a fact, I will shoot a motherfucker in order to preserve the life of those I love that without question. And there's a lot of times it takes being put into a situation like that mm -hmm. to determine whether or not what side of an individual is yeah. capable of that. I hear that. There, there are a lot of people out there that carry a gun every day mm -hmm. that say they'll do this or they'll do but that. But they won't fire. But 90, I, we, we were talking about this a few days ago, me and, me and some friends of mine. If a day were to come mm -hmm. where they said, you cannot own a firearm. Mm -hmm. We're going to collect all the ones that are in circulation. We're going to quit producing mm. them and we're going to quit selling. Okay. There is a large armed population. You won't the, give their fucking the guns States. up. That you can't trace the guns back to. Well, that, that may be the popular belief. Yeah, I believe that. But myself, honestly, I believe that 80 to 90% of these armed individuals are. 
they they carry a gun for the same reason people wear leather jackets or, or Jordans. <laughs> They, because it looks cool. Because they they feel good. They nah, I got a gun. That. I I got I got a Glock. I got this. I got that. Yeah. When it comes down to a confrontational situation, mm-hmm. if the police are knocking on your door and they demand a surrender of your firearm, mm-hmm. and at that point you have three options. Yeah. You you give them the gun. You go to jail. Mm-hmm. You shoot them and probably get shot. Yeah. Then at the end of it, man, 80, I eighty to ninety percent of people, when faced with them three ultimatums. Are going to surrender their guns peacefully. How do you take a gun? And I heard someone else say this. It might have been, I don't know who it was. I heard someone else say this though. How do you take a gun from an armed motherfucker? Like, seriously, I've got a gun. I'm a fucking badass. Why am I in jail right now for possession of a firearm? Because I'm a badass with a gun, <laughs> right? So if, if, if we were living in the Wild West, right? I, I doubt Billy the Kid would have been like, here, take my gun and take my ass to jail. <laughs> we, over the years, we have devolved as a, as a civilization. We now are mm. more, we, we fear incarceration by our own government mm. more than death than itself. Any, than, yeah, than death itself or any, any other consequence. Listen, man, I remember earlier I, I told you I was going to share a quote with you. I said I'd wait till we were on air. The rapper Game, or better known as The Game, he, he he made a statement. They caught up with him, and they were asking him about some beef between some Lils, like some of them little rapping dudes. And they asked him, well, he, he made a statement. He said, you know, this guy, you know, he's got caught with a few guns or whatever, a few times with guns, but he was like, it's better to get caught with a gun than not to. And the way he expressed it, it stuck with me. He said, people get out of jail. They don't get out of caskets. <laughs> like, that, that resonated. That, that's probably one of the truest things ever said. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I deployed to Afghanistan, mm-hmm. um, I was 19 years old. I went. Uh, I was in. I was in fourth grade when September 11th occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big uh, part of my childhood. Um, you know, everybody I knew at that point was either in the military or joined the military. It was a big upbuilding of our forces, mm-hmm. and everybody was deployed into Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, my middle school and high school years. I joined the army on my 17th birthday. Um, were you allowed to join that early? I thought it was 18. With, with parental consent, you can join at 17. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Um, my, my parents signed parental consent. I joined at 17. I did mm-hmm. a six-year hitch on my on the 10-year anniversary of September 11th. So September 11th, 2011, I was on the tarmac at Biggs Army Airfield uh, mm-hmm. deploying to Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, we, we flew out on that anniversary date. Uh, we walked down the tarmac with the uh, Rockies Eye of a Tiger playing for our, our deployment ceremony. Wow. Okay. Um, Dad kind of mentioned the, the exact same thing uh, that that rapper said, just in different mm-hmm. different terminology, and it, it resonated and stuck with me. Like I said, truer words have never been spoken. Uh, the military is very political. When it comes to confrontation and engagement, 
Reason okay. being is they don't they do not want to per, have a perception of being warmongering murderers. Okay. They, they want they want to present an image as professional individuals or or a country. Mm-hmm. They they want to handle every situation to save face with the media, okay. to save face yeah. with the general populace. <clears throat> right. In order to do so. You, you train individuals to, to kill. Mm-hmm. Born to fight, trained to kill, prepared to die, but never will. Mm. That, that's the mentality that you train these individuals with. You train them to fight, to kill, to be the badass. Right. But then when you, you cut them loose in that, that theater of operation, you have to impose restrictions mm-hmm. in order to prevent them from going full badass. So it's like, it's like, it's like training I, and I hate to use this analogy, analogy, but it's like training a dog and giving them a bloodthirst, but then coming back and saying, hey, or training and teaching them that only under certain circumstances should you. Almost. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good analogy. Uh, if you want to paint a little bit more of a picture there, it'd be like training, training a dog to fight. Mm-hmm. And then first fight you actually put them in, mm-hmm. you throw them in the ring with a muzzle on, mm. uh, so that your dog doesn't kill the other one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know he he's more than capable of it. He was trained to do it, mm-hmm. but you, you don't want him to kill that dog for whatever reason. Okay. So, so you yeah. you throw a muzzle on. Him. Oh um, shit. <laughs> that that muzzle yeah. is often referred to as rules of engagement mm-hmm. and escalation of force. Okay. Um. I don't want to go into a lot of detail. I don't know what I, I I can and can't elaborate on, but just a kind of brief overview. If if you throw a rock at me, I can't shoot you. Mm-hmm. If you shoot at me with an AK forty seven, I can't shoot at you with an M two fifty caliber machine gun. Really? Uh, they they call that equal or less force. So if you shoot at me with us with us AK forty seven. I have to return fire with an M16. Mm-hmm. If you shoot at me with a rocket launcher, I can unload just about everything in my arsenal. If you God shoot- damn. Are you serious, man? Yeah. Like, r- rules. Rules. Yeah. Let me explain something to you about rules, man. I came up <laughs> out here in these streets, man, dealing with, like, just pieces of shit, for lack of a better term. And there were no rules, man. If you throw a rock at me, I was allowed to smash your face with a fucking baseball bat if I could get my hands on one because I was taught there are no rules to fighting. And that's what, uh, you know, growing up, I was I was taught same thing. You know, Pops used to quote, all is fair in love and war. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, there, there is no such thing as fair in a fight. Yeah. Fair means me and mine go home. Mm-hmm. And that that was kind of the mentality that I that was instilled upon me. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's crazy is they they teach that or at, at my point in time, they taught that in training. Okay. They, they taught that you you conquer and devour the enemy. Mm-hmm. You, there there is no this that or the other. You go in and you you de- you do whatever necessary mm-hmm. to to resolve that situation. Okay. But when and you you train that train that train that train that and then all of a sudden they say okay you you called up you're going to war. Then they send you to a whole nother training. <laughs> and that training is kind of putting the gloves on. That's the, okay, well, you're capable of this. You've been trained to do this. You've been trained to do that. 
but you're not going to react with lethal force to mm. every situation. You're going to do this, this, and that. Um, positive identification. Uh, yeah. There used to be a time and place in war where if someone was shooting at you on, on your right side or your left side, you turned in that direction and you opened fire. Yeah. Um, that results in a lot of casualties. Mm -hmm. If if I'm getting shot at, if I'm getting shot at from the right side and the right side is, you know, a city in Afghanistan and I I swing to that side and I open fire with a 50 caliber machine gun, I may get the guy who shot at me. I may also get a 12 year old kid and Mm -hmm. three other people. All's fair in love and war, man. That's my, that was my (laughs) mentality. Uh, but they, no, they, I didn't, get it, they didn't necessarily agree yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I talked to my dad a lot, you know, he's, he's kind of my confidant. He's mm-hmm. my, where I go to for, for leadership. If, okay. if I ever question something or doubt something or uh, have a doubt in myself, mm-hmm. I, I look to him for reassurance. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, like anybody, I was 19. I was scared to death. Mm-hmm. I was going to Afghanistan and, I, I grew up with a Vietnam veteran. Vietnam was an entirely different war. Mm-hmm. Um, up until that point, I'd only seen and heard about war and combat via videos, TV, old guys' war stories from the jungles of Vietnam. Yeah. You know, so that, that was what I was prepared for in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then they started imposing all these rules of engagement and things that we could yeah. and couldn't do. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, the penalty of breaking uh, an order is going to prison. Mm-hmm. I'm rest of <laughs> you you done? Yeah, I'm done. I got to drive in a little bit. Uh, the penalty of that's going to going to prison. They, they joke about it all the time. Fort Leavenworth, Kansas is a military prison. Yeah. They say that's where you go to break big rocks into little rocks for the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life. Damn. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, talked to dad about that shortly before I deployed, you know, what, what do I do if, you know, somebody shoots at me or somebody does this, somebody does that and I shoot back and mm-hmm. I get in trouble. And dad said, then, you know, the same, almost this exact same thing. The game said, it's better to be tried by 12 than carried by six. Damn right. I've heard that too. I would much rather have to answer to my peers for my actions. Yeah. Than to have to answer for God to God for my lack of action. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if they take you out and you're not ready, <laughs> that could be worse than having more time to figure it out. Absolutely. So you know it wouldn't be the cognac room if I didn't ask you the hard questions and and and, and make you a bit uncomfortable, man. We just had a school shooting, two actually. We had one here in Charlotte and we had one. Uh, what was that at in Virginia? Colorado. Colorado. Why the fuck did I come up with Virginia? Okay. Um, so there are those who would say, "Hey, man, just get rid of the fucking guns, and we won't have these problems." Yeah. Um. So, give me, give me, give me your insight on that. Like, should we get rid of the guns altogether so that you know they they aren't as accessible to the mentally ill or to those who, you know, just. I don't know, just don't give a shit about life, human life, and would go out and do bullshit. So there's there's a couple different thoughts on that. Um, Number one, we talked about how human emotion plays Mm -hmm. 
into people's actions and thoughts. You right. Know? Yeah. We, we're a very temperamental species. We yes, absolutely. react to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, the First and Second Amendment can go kind of hand in hand uh, just because one person acts on their initial response or their initial instinct or thought, no matter how uneducated or intelligent that may be, doesn't mean that we should lose that right as a, as a total population. Mm -hmm. An example of that is if one rogue individual shoots somebody because they're pissed off, you know, mm-hmm. the, the other person didn't really pose a physical threat. They, there was no justification for self-defense. They were just upset. They were pissed right. off. The guy, the guy was talking about my mom, pulled out a gun and shot him. Somebody like that should not cause us to invoke a constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. Just like some idiot on Facebook spouting off at the mouth with something I don't agree with mm-hmm. should not result in an invocation of our first amendment right to free speech. Okay. Okay. Um, so with that being said, you know, you can't judge one's actions. You can't judge uh, the entire population off one's actions. Right. Just like, you know, we, we were talking about racism a few minutes ago. You can't judge the entire black race or the entire white race or for that case, even the Muslim race or any any race or religion. You can't judge them based off one person's actions from that race or religion. I agree with that. Same same thing with gun owners. You can't say nobody should have a gun Mm -hmm. because this guy went and shot up a school. I agree 100 percent because the thing is, man, like I have a family. And it's my job to protect my family. And there are many ways I can protect my family. But there are some times that the only protection for my family is the use of a firearm. I had an uncle. Man, listen, this guy, I mean, he should be a freaking celebrity, man. He, had, he was like the most, he was an idiot, but he was a wise guy at the same time. And this is one of the things he told me, man. He said, uh, some people don't understand anything but violence. Now, on the surface, that's a very generic and shallow statement but if you think about it that what he said is there are people there are human beings on this planet in this world whom you will encounter that you could talk to you could explain shit to you could give them all the statistics and everything but they will not get it you can curse at them you can yell at them you can scream at them you can do all of this these things but they won't understand anything but you putting your fucking hands on them or, or, or shooting them or, or beating, you know, beating them to a pulp. So I'm, I'm like, shit. Initially, I'm like, are you serious? Like there are people who live today and live right now who don't understand anything but violence. I'll give you an example. We've all had that one so-called bully that pushes us, touches us. Not, not like that, but I'm just saying puts his hands on us. And we're like, hey, man, stop touching me. That type of touching. Or he he pushes you or he kicks you or he throws something. He spits spitballs out of straw at you. And you've told him again and again, like, man, leave me the fuck alone. He, he didn't do it. But the moment you punched him in his fucking face, he realized, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. <laughs> so 
there are people who understand nothing but violence. And my uncle, my ignorant ass uncle, taught me that. He didn't know a lot, but the shit he did know, he taught me. <laughs> Them are life lessons learned that a lot of people aren't learning anymore, mm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, you know, but there there are people out there that, you know, I, I was taught similar to the same lesson, just in different different aspect of it. Mm -hmm. that there are some people out there that, you, you just smack the piss out of one good time and they stop. Yeah. There's other people out there that you have to kill yeah. in order to make them stop whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. Cause they won't get it. They and, won't stop any other way. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the, you know, one of the things pops taught me growing up is you don't want to shoot a guy that you should have smacked. If you could have smacked the piss out of him and he would have stopped whatever it was that he was doing and you shot him, then you're going to have to answer for that blood on your hands. Mm. Same, Damn. same thing. You Real don't, shit. you don't want to shoot someone, or you don't want to smack someone that you should have shot. Right. Because yeah. you, you don't want to give them the opportunity later on to, exactly. to come back if they don't learn from you smacking them mm -hmm. that that you know this isn't going to go this way. Mm -hmm. They continue to do whatever it is that mm -hmm. you deem necessary to smack them. You know that could potentially put your life in jeopardy if you shoot smack somebody you should have shot. So how do you differentiate? So and, and here's the thing: like I feel like sometimes we we we're both full aware of the police shootings, the number of police shootings, which has to be addressed if we're talking gun control and guns. Um, uh, I've spent a lot of time watching police body cam footage of multiple gun shootings and things. Mm -hmm. Um, and like we talked about earlier, there there are some things that cannot be perceived through video footage um i'll give you a, yeah. a real world scenario from my firsthand experience um it was a prototype at the time and was classified i believe now it's declassified mm -hmm. and it's been worked into general circulation for all of the united states military and department of defense mm -hmm. but because i'm not sure i won't elaborate in detail right um, but I will say that during my tour of duty, they had a, a weapon platform prototype to protect gunners. Mm -hmm. Tra traditionally, a, a gunner in a military convoy would stand up in a hole that's cut in the roof of the truck and a machine gun mounted to the top of the truck. He'd have the ability to traverse, you know, 360 degrees, scan his sector and fire. Um, in the Iraq and Afghanistan uh, theaters of operation, the gunner had a life expectancy of 7 to 14 days. God damn. Um, reason being is because they were an ideal target Jeez. for uh, grenades, rocket-propelled grenades. Mm -hmm. there, there were many different uh, TTPs or tactics used by the enemy yeah. to, use, to <clears throat> capitalize on that vulnerability of the vehicle it was an opening in an armored vehicle okay. so if yeah. in iraq for instance you would ride under a bridge they would drop russian hand grenades into the gunner's turret um, they so that Ruthless. that guy was in in a lot of harm's way um, yeah. and when they started using impl improvised explosive devices um it caused the vehicles were were very very heavy and it caused vehicle rollovers you you blow mm -hmm. up a 
a 10 ton truck, it tends to roll over. Mm -hmm. Um, when that happens, a gunner standing up, uh, half out of the truck, half in the truck and a secured harness typically got decapitated. Damn right. Yeah. Or or crushed depending on where the vehicle landed. So they come up with a weapon system that allowed you to control the weapon from inside the truck. Okay. Um, Now this was a, a very creative and, uh, well thought out project it, there mm-hmm. was millions and millions and billions of dollars invested into this um it had everything that you could possibly think of it was the most high-tech video game you would ever play okay it, it had all i'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of details but it, it had multiple cameras it had 360 degree view it had all kinds of special features you know if you can imagine it or if you've ever seen it on black ops or call of duty this weapon system had it. Mm. The problem with that, though, is there are aspects of the environment that you lose being in the truck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Prime example. You ride through uh, a tent city or a little township, whatever you want to call it, in a, in a war zone. The smell, the feel, the atmosphere... Mm. The the lack of ah, people. There, there, there are a lot of things that give you, you know, the, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. Right. There's a lot of things that tell you as a person that something's not right. Yeah. Something's about but to video off. can't it, it's capture too quiet. That. It's it Damn. smells funny. There, you know, something's going on. Damn, bro. But sitting in the truck, you can't tell that. You're riding down, scanning, the, scanning your sector, and then all of a sudden, boom, you get blown up. And that's that's the same same with these body cams. There, and one of the good, one of the the videos that I reference a lot. There, there's a video floating around out there. Uh, you probably pull it up on YouTube or wherever else. Um, two police officers are pursuing an armed subject, um, and they're they're in a very densely populated urban area mm-hmm. with city blocks and. Yeah. and large buildings um as they're chasing this guy he turns around and and has a ar-15 style weapon in his hand mm-hmm. um one police officer cuts down an alleyway shit and when he cuts down the alleyway he goes around the building and comes up behind the guy the the other officer has his weapon trained on the, the suspect mm-hmm. and is ordering him to drop the weapon okay the guy starts to lay the weapon down And as he's squatted down to lay the weapon on the sidewalk, cop two that had cut down the alleyway pops him in the back of the head. Oh, shit. With a a service pistol. Yeah, wrong. Um, When you initially see that video, anybody with some common sense that's not just blindly following the police or the news, Mm -hmm. anybody with some common sense and some own personal opinion looks at it and says, that cop killed him in cold-blooded murder. Okay. You know, there there was no justification for that. He was surrendering. He was dropping his weapon, and this cop shot him in the back of the head. Okay, I'm I'm curious to see where you're going with this. That's that's what the video leads you to believe. Right. Um, and there was there was a lot of controversy about it. The you know they were arguing that it was a clean kill. Um, the the general pop, population and even some news reporters were arguing that that cop had acted out of. Uh, malicious action or malicious thoughts and just shot Mm -hmm. this guy for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. 
if you watch that video multiple times from different angles, from from both body cams and a, there was a street camera at that intersection. If you watch all the, the footage, it, initially you would you would agree with that. You would agree that that cop was in the wrong. If you continue to watch it and watch it and watch it, you pick up on subtle details that the police officers noticed or seen in person that mm -hmm. nobody reported via the video because they didn't pick up on it. They didn't notice it. They weren't there. They didn't see it. Okay. Um, and what it was is as the individual, the suspect was laying his weapon on the ground, he, he had an AR-15 style weapon. He, he squatted down. He had it, you know, the muzzle in his left hand. He had the pistol grip in his right hand. He goes to lay it on the ground. As he gets about three quarters of the way to the pavement, he cants the rifle towards the officer and hooks the trigger with his right index finger. Mm -hmm. As he does that, the officer is ordering him to drop his weapon, telling him not to do it, stop, don't do it, put your weapon on the ground. Cop two that came up from the rear, seeing the weapon canted towards his partner, his finger on the trigger, and shot him to prevent him from shooting the cop. Now, if you watch that video as it was recorded, you don't really catch that subtle cant of the rifle towards mm -hmm. the officer, and you don't really see him put his finger on the trigger unless you slow it down and watch it numerous times. Mm. If you just watch it for what it is, it looks like the guy's laying the weapon down. So why not just push him. that motherfucker away from you, man? Like, <clears throat> that's the weird shit. Like, I just wish people would learn how to do shit in a way to where to where these motherfuckers don't have an excuse. At what point is it justified, though? Who's to say that just because you have a gun, you're in the wrong? Who's to say that because he has a badge... Right, I agree. He's in the right. I agree. You know? 100%. And that's what we were talking about a few minutes ago. You know, Wild Wild West, you're not going to take somebody's gun away from them and send them to jail. Yeah. But nowadays, we are we live in a society where it's either go to jail or die when put in that situation. Mm -hmm. at, at some point, that has to change. The line has to be drawn somewhere. Yeah. I agree. If, if that doesn't change, then this is no longer a free country. It becomes a dictatorship run by the people making and enforcing the law. Problem I have. There have been many black men who have been gunned down by officers in seemingly, and I use quotation marks, seemingly uh, non-threatening situations. Now, one of the biggest issues I have with, with uh, us as people is that when the cops stop us, a lot of times we want to pop shit. What the fuck are you stopping me? You ain't got nothing on me. Stop now. Nah, nah, don't touch me. Go in my pocket the right way, motherfucker. Nah, nah. All of that. Like, come on, man. Like, just be cool. Be calm. Relax. They're going to search you. If you have nothing to hide, you have no reason. If you have a problem with anything that this officer does during the course of this stop, this search, there are avenues that you can use after the fact to, to see that justice is served. So you don't have to be a fucking dickhead. You don't have to be a fucking asshole. You don't have to sit here and like argue with this guy and go back and forth with him and, and all of that. But then there's a the whole thing of like, well, I, I feel like they're, you know, uh, profiling me or humiliating me or mistreating me. And like 
at the end of the day, like, man, come on, who gives a shit when when you can live to see another day, number one, right? And number two is if they did something wrong, there, there are there are avenues to take to, to see that justice is served in that. And a lot of people are like, well, yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do shit, you know? And maybe they won't do shit. But guess what? If they don't do shit and you're alive, it's better than if they don't do shit and you're dead. <laughs> but Very that simple. Should, that shouldn't be your only option. There, there are men and women for generations and generations and generations who have fought and died to protect individual rights and liberties. Yeah. Those should not be imposed upon by political parties, by law enforcement, by anyone. So for the most part, if a law enforcement officer is doing their job correctly, Mm -hmm. they are not imposing upon your rights. However, like we talked about, you know, a little while ago, there are individuals who wear a badge and carry a gun who have no business doing so and whose only purpose in life is to enforce or impose their authority onto individuals. True, which so, is how this podcast started. You're so talking about that. Same, same concept there. If for, You said there's avenues of approach after the fact. Unfortunately, we're at a time and place in our society where it is no longer innocent until proven guilty. It's guilty mm. until proven innocent. And I don't know when and where that happened or why, but it, it's a fact. That's how it is. I can go to the police department right now and say, you robbed me. They're going to come lock you up. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to serve yeah. a warrant. They're gonna Especially pick, because I'm black. They're going to pick you up. I mean, it's, <laughs> even myself, I, I've been arrested for wrongfully accused of things. And, yeah. bef- and I'm explaining why they're putting me in cuffs. I was at work. I had nothing to do with whatever the hell you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Tell it to the judge. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the You, you, that's you end up system. going to jail. It's a program. Yeah, It's a broke system. It's, yeah, it's very broke. It's innocent until proven guilty. Right. But and but they don't. It's guilty it until proven Yeah, innocent. exactly. Exactly. That, that's misinterpretation. They, they've spun it to benefit themselves. That's back to the extortion thing we were talking about. It benefits government. It's good for business. You have to pay a bond. You have to pay bail. You have to pay for a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You have to pay court costs. It keeps their their lucrative lucrative income afloat Mm -hmm. by arresting people prior to uh, accumulating the facts. Mm. So my next question for you. What's the middle ground? You got those that are for guns, those that are against guns. What middle ground is there? What middle ground works? There, there's against pro and middle, as it is right now, mm-hmm. and then there's what could and couldn't work. The way it stands right now, you have people who are die-hard anti-gun people who believe that the gun, to quote an old old song, uh, I believe it was the highway, the the gun is the devil's left hand. Mm. You know, there, there's a lot of people that believe that you know, it's evil. It, you know, guns are the reason why this, that, and the other is going on. Mm-hmm. There, there are people that believe guns are the greatest create thing in God's creation. They believe that they're great for self-defense. They're great for a tyrannical government. They're they're Absolutely. great for for yeah. personal protection. They're great to defend your family, your house, your possessions. 
Uh, some people just enjoy shooting them. Mm -hmm. The middle ground, in my opinion, right now is the individuals who carry a gun, own a gun, believe in the Second Amendment, or so they say. However, will not raise a firearm to defend such said rights or liberties. Mm -hmm. That's the, the individual that when, you know, if the day ever came that they banned a gun or they said you couldn't buy a gun anymore, you know, them are the ones who would willingly render render their firearm mm -hmm. because yeah. they they believe in that right but they don't believe in that right enough to die for it or to mm. fight for it uh, and honestly there's probably very few individuals who believe full-heartedly enough in that right that liberty and that freedom mm -hmm. to defend it and to die for it we end up with mentally ill people who have guns you end, we end up with you know people who go hunting that decide that Fuck it, I, I'm going to kill my brother because he, you know, I found out he was sleeping with my wife or whatever. I don't know, some crazy shit. But my point is this. So you have these people that have access to guns but don't have the responsibility or don't understand the responsibility that comes along with that. Maybe they're mentally ill. We have school shootings, man. School shootings are like a dime a dozen at this point. It happens all the time. People have gone into churches and shot people. Um, people have been shot, you know, randomly for no reason at all. When was the last time, not not to interrupt, no, but go just ahead. to interject I'm, yeah. into the conversation, when was the last time you heard of a shooting at a shooting range or at a mm. an NRA conference or, or somewhere where the mass public or population of that event or of that mm -hmm. environment was carrying a gun enthusiast yeah when was the last time i have a shooting range? i haven't that's the only way to to deter evil mm -hmm. is for good men to act mm -hmm. if if the bad guy evil evil gun, how does the saying go evil will prevail when good men when fail good, to do nothing. when good men do nothing absolutely same, yeah. same thing can apply to the gun scenario. If if the bad guy has a gun, mm -hmm. he's going to target those who do not. Your schools, or, or who he perceives. Your schools, yeah. your churches, your your federal buildings, your You're your right. gun free zones. You're right. Are the Damn. most dangerous places. Never thought about that on earth. Like honestly, I never thought about that, man. That that is the most dangerous place on earth is a gun free zone, and Damn. it's because they know nobody else is shooting back. It, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. You know, if if you want to pick a target, you want to call, if you're mentally deranged and you have some kind of disconnect that leads you to believe that that's your only avenue mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. You're not going to go down to your local gun store and shoot it up. You're not going to go to my house and shoot the place up. Right, right. You're not going to go somewhere where you know <laughs> that your, your target Chances is, are. is carrying. Yeah. You're going to go to yeah. your elementary school, your middle school, your high school. You're going to go to to the bank. You're going to go to the post office. You're going to go to the courthouse. You're going to go where you know no one's carrying a weapon. Mm -hmm. It gives you the upper hand. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a church shooting in South Carolina a good number of years ago. Um. And I'm not I'm not going to mention names because he has some political and uh, departmental ties. You're talking about in Charleston? Uh, I believe it was Charleston. It was church the, shooting. Yeah, yeah. It was the the uh, yeah. black church. The white yeah. the white kid. Yeah. Uh, 
my name give us all a bad name. But uh, <laughs> he's white with a gun. He's going to shoot you. That's what I, I, yeah. I'm telling you, man. They, you know, we we're talking about racism and stereotypes. Yeah. It typically like your serial killers and your mass shooters. White always guys. a crazy white guy. I'm just gonna be honest, man. It's white guys. We, we, you know, we look. That's why when you were like, "Yeah, I have no problem shooting the motherfucker," I was like, "Really?" I, I gave you a side eye, like, "Really?" That's <laughs> that's kind of the the stereotype for yeah. for the white male is that, you know he's he's a serial killer or he's uh gonna shoot up a place. Yeah. Uh, a couple select individuals have given us all a bad name. Yeah. That's just like, you know, the black guy that steals or, or robs you on the street corner, man, I feel like gives us a bad name. You got pieces of shit everywhere. Yeah. It happens. And just because that, you know, one individual black guy is on the yeah. corner slinging or robbing people, people have that perception of the entire yeah. race. and it's not like and that. And it's not like that. Same, right. same thing with white people. You know, one, yeah. one white guy shoots up a church, and they're like, all white people are crazy yeah. and, and racist. But, but y'all been shooting motherfuckers for a long time, <laughs> I, Listen, I know everybody mad at me. They hate me right now, but it's it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity to make light of a very deep and heavy situation, man. And there's some truth. There's a lot of truth there. Is there is some truth to it. A lot of truth there. But yeah. But uh, right after that shooting, um, a good buddy of mine that attended the church I grew up in um, is in law enforcement, and mm-hmm. he also has a uh, whatever the the requirement is to teach concealed weapon training. Right. Okay. Um, so as a response to that, right after that shooting, he offered a free concealed weapons training course sweet. to all church members. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, so now that church is proudly armed to the teeth. They're strapped. You, you can walk <laughs> into that church in my hometown on any given Sunday and probably about 80% of the congregation is carrying. Yeah, they're strapped. Because somebody has to be, listen, my whole thing is, my my mentality, the way I think is, it takes a shooter to stop a shooter. Now, that's not always the case because there's been situations where, like, even recently, you know, some unarmed students jumped on this guy. I think one or two of them lost, it, lost their lives, but. That was an unnecessary tragedy. Right. Had you been because armed. Because one of the individuals yeah. there, uh. And I'm not. I won't mention names because it's it's a big political thing right now. It's all over the news. But one of the individuals there, from what I understand, what I read, he he was an ROTC cadet mm. at UNCC. He okay. he had all intentions of joining the military. Yeah, I did hear um, that. Yeah. At some point, I don't know where he was at in that career path. Yeah. Um, but the way ROTC works in college, your first two years, it's it's a class. They teach you military customs and courtesies. Mm-hmm. They teach you different rules, procedures, practices, things like that. I believe it's between your second and third year or between your third and fourth year. Okay. I'm not really sure when it falls into that ROTC right. program. Yeah. But somewhere between your second and third or your third and fourth year, that summer, you have to contract mm. with the United States military. And you go to basic training or to officer candidate school. Yeah. When you complete that, you come back and you finish your last year of college. After your last year of college, you're commissioned as an officer in the United States military. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, this individual had that mindset to protect people. Right. Yeah. That, that was his yeah. passion and his True. desire. Yeah. In any other situation... 
if he had have had a firearm or means to protect himself and his mm -hmm. fellow classmates, that may have went down differently. There's a good chance if he was armed, mm -hmm. he would have shot the the shooter. The assailant. And Hell it, yeah. It would have been game over. Damn right. However, because he was in a gun-free zone. See, and that's the whole, he, yeah. He yeah. had no other choice but to lay down his life to protect his, his fellow classmates. So you have different people, man. You have the, uh, the, 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 ooh, excuse me, damn, <laughs> sorry. You have the, the, the older, I'll say the older white population who feels like, hey man, we need a fucking guns gun. You have the older black population who feels the same, the same way. Then you have some of the younger of us, like, I'd be the first one to tell you, man, like, I, uh, I've been involved with a woman who was military. She feels like just change the laws, get them off the street. But I feel like there has to be a way to to screen people. But see, with screening, that's that's tricky too because yeah, a crazy you. motherfucker's not gonna tell you that they're crazy. So and that that's a good point. So there is no way to successfully de-arm the American population and prevent all tragic fatalities. Right. If, yeah. If you take guns away, England or United Kingdom, whatever they go by now, Great Britain, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. they, you cannot own a gun. No, not at all. They have like the strictest, strictest gun control laws in all the known world. But how? How? I, honestly, I don't know how they they went to that or how they imposed that, but they have successfully done it. Um, however, it just stems, you know, they, they have as many homicides as North America. Mm -hmm. 99% of them are stabbings. People, people have resorted to carrying a knife. You can't mm -hmm. get a gun. You stab them. Wow. You know, there's always going to yeah. be a problem. You can't. And that, I agree. You can't take it's, the tool yeah. away. I do agree with that. If you if you ban the tool, mm -hmm. we will people in general will result to violence in a different manner. Damn, <laughs> this world has been at so war. we're screwed either way it goes, man. The world's just... been at war with itself since creation of time, and you know they used to kill people with rocks and sticks. True. Now we're killing people with grenades and machine guns. True. It's no matter. If you try to deal humans will always find a way to kill a motherfucker. Basically. Yep. See, so listen, here's, here's, here's the thing about me, man. Here's the thing that people like and people don't like about me. It's it's a gift and a curse, but I find ways to take the most profound thing and break it down. And I can take the simplest thing and make it profound. I'm weird like that. But basically, what you're saying is that uh human beings will always find a way to take someone's life. Regardless of whether it's guns, sticks, stones, I don't know, saran wrap. <laughs> you know? Historically speaking, they, they've been doing it since the beginning of time. Absolutely, and yeah. They always, whether out of necessity, mm -hmm. whether it be for food, for survival, for self-defense, mm. or whether it just be territorial grievances. 
crazy shit. You know, people have always found a way to to kill an animal, mm -hmm. to kill an intruder, to kill somebody who poses a threat to themselves, their family, mm. their, their land, their livelihood. Um, you know, the last probably three or four decades or more, people mm -hmm. have found a way to kill people who talk about their mom. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but gun, you can get rid of guns and it, it wouldn't fix the problem. I, I, you know what? I do agree with that. I do. Because, anything, you know, yeah, I agree with that. Like, you will still have, find yourself in a situation to where you have to deal with the uh, the unpleasance. Not to, uh, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist or whatever that word is, but if you were to get rid of guns completely, mm -hmm. not only would it not fix the problem of individuals killing each other, Okay. But as a whole, it makes us a more vulnerable target. Yeah, I, for, I see it. For a tyrannical government mm -hmm. or for an invasion. So uh, are you anti-government? I'm not your typical anti-government. I, I would say that I'm anti-big government. Okay. I, I don't necessarily feel like the government should control or dictate any aspect of your daily personal life. Mm, I agree with that. Shit, uh, yeah. If I want, if I want some pussy at five o'clock on Friday, it should have nothing to do with that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> know if, what I mean? If seriously, I mean, and I, I take that to kind of the extreme that if you want to burn your house to the ground, mm -hmm. it's your house. Yeah, you should be able to burn it to the ground. Yeah, you cannot do you that. that. The, the government will stop you. They will come out here and yeah. lock you up. But they'll but they'll justify it by saying, "Hey, you endangered others." You could live in the middle of a three thousand acre farm and set they'll your house on fire. Still say you endangered others with, with a with a moat of water dug yeah. around your no, house. You're, you're you're hurting. You're harming the environment. They would still arrest you. Yeah, you, you because yeah. they they have their hands in your personal life. Just Absolutely. like we were talking about earlier, you can't collect rainwater. Yeah, that's crazy why, shit to me. Why? Like, why seriously. should the government mandate or regulate what you do? Or yeah, you do? I don't agree. So, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm not anti-government. Mm -hmm. I do believe that the government has a stronghold on the American population entirely mm. too much. Yeah, way more yeah. than they ever have in the past. I can and see it. If it continues down the current avenue that it's on, mm -hmm. then sometime in in the near future, in our lifetime, there's going to be a lot of freedoms that are no longer in existence. Yeah, you took things, the words out of my mouth. I was going to say no longer exist. There's going to exactly. be a lot of things that me and yeah. you used to do as kids that if our kids do, they'll, they'll go to jail. Damn. Yeah. And at a certain point, that has to be unacceptable. There has to be somebody willing to stand and fight for that right. If you take, and that's what the Second Amendment of the Constitution, state, you know, in order to maintain the right to bear arms shall not be infringed upon, in order to maintain a well-regulated militia, uh, to overthrow a tyrannic government. If at any point the government creates a stronghold on the people and imposes a will that is not justifiably acceptable, then the people have that right mm. to dethrone or overthrow that government. 
I had a friend of mine named Robert Starr. I probably shouldn't have said his whole name. I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have, and I may edit this. I had a friend of mine named Robert, man. He was a leader of a militia. The first, the first thing they were like, oh man, you know who that is? He's he's part of a militia. They they're racist. Da 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 da. And that was where I learned that being part of a militia doesn't make you racist. Like he was anti-government, like all the way. So anti-government that they they decided we're gonna lock his ass up because he's doing too much. They had they they I think they got him for like stockpiling guns or something. I don't fucking know. And that that's the problem with the current and that that's why for for the the current predicament we're in with with mass shootings and with with individuals who don't have the moral compass to determine right and wrong mm, mm-hmm. carrying a firearm in order to band that widely and say okay we're just going to get rid of the guns because they're the problem makes you vulnerable to invasion or to a tyrannical government right yeah and oh absolutely that listen it's going to be thanksgiving you're going to be full you're going to be sitting back in your house drunk as a motherfucker and they're going to kick the fucking door in and 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 uh, implement martial law. And that's how it's going to go down. The the problem is, if you take the guns away, the few that would be willing to fight are mm-hmm. unable. Yeah. If they I'm trying to think, the. Uh, So if they kick the doors in and take the guns, do whatever the case is, it could be our government, it could be another government. Mm-hmm. There are a few that would fight. True. I, I there, agree with there, that. I, I will agree with that. And the reason being is because, like you said, about the guy running the militia, he believed that was his right. He believed that the government was corrupt or crooked or, mm-hmm. or you know, had too much stronghold yeah. on the people. Yeah. And he was attempting to do something about it. And they they were not having that. Shit. As long as they are still in power, yeah, in any way, shape, or form, they're not the bad guy. You are, yeah, exactly. So, so they can justify locking you up for mm-hmm. criminal actions and say that you were a threat or a terror to the government. Mm. Same thing. Revolutionary War, America versus Britain. You know, General General George Washington, the one of the founding fathers, the first president of our country, was a traitor. <laughs> he he was a general in the the Queen's army or King's army, whoever was running England back then. Mm-hmm. And he he was a redcoat. He he swapped sides halfway through the war, and there was a bounty on his head. He was wanted for treason, dead or alive. Mm. Under under the throne, he was going to be executed. For mm-hmm. for betraying his country. Yeah. Same thing here. As long as the country is still in power, mm. if you bring violence or force against said institution, you will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of their law. That's crazy, man. I get it. I get it. But like, like that's man, where it instills fear into people who have the thought of acting on that. So to instill fear is that is that the motive? Honestly, the 
with the current situation and political uh, ongoings in this country, I feel like school shootings and officer-involved shootings are kind of a propaganda motive in order to get people to freely and willingly give up their right to bear arms. If you can convince the general public that they are a danger to themselves and to others by owning firearms, then you can have them vote for or agree with political actions and legislation that would invoke or dis disband current situation. It, it would take away their ability to own a firearm. It's a lot less controversial and it's a lot less likely to result in mass bloodshed if you get the population to willingly surrender their firearms versus trying to collect them forcefully. So okay. if, if every night you turn on the news and they're using a propaganda agenda, you know, police shootings, school mm -hmm. massacres, things like this to, to instill upon the population that firearms are evil. They're because they want, they want us to be unarmed. If they, yeah. if, if they convince people of that, mm -hmm. you're more likely to vote for somebody who's going to instill stronger gun control laws. So you're, who's, who's sending these shooters? Would you say, do you feel the government is sending these shooters or that that's in, in my opinion, that that's one of them conspiracy things. I don't. I don't necessarily believe like the government's. Hey, I'll, I'll pay you to go do this to make me mm -hmm. look good or to promote my agenda. But they're creating it. But they're creating the scenario, mm -hmm. the situation mm -hmm. by de de, -evol de evolution of the population. Mm -hmm. Okay. They honestly, I believe it all starts with with parenting, and we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Overall, what you do and don't do, what you can and can't do as a parent, right, is monitored, policed, and enforced more now than it ever has been. There are more child endangerment laws and child, uh, I don't really know what you want to call it, child endangerment laws social services, uh, there's more, more governmental oversight on parenting mm -hmm. now than there ever has been. Damn, I agree. And yeah, that, I can see it. that limits what parents can and can't do mm -hmm. as far as discipline and raising their children. Wow. When there is a lack of discipline and a lack of uh, a solid foundation for a, a child's upbringing, mm -hmm. that allows for more disturbed individuals or more children that don't know the difference in right and wrong, that don't understand consequence mm -hmm. and can't differentiate between reality and fantasy. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm with you. Hell and, yeah. And I, I believe the, the government's played a big part in that. They, you know, you don't have tough little kids anymore. You don't have, 
you can't leave your kids at home by themselves. You'll go to jail. You can't <laughs> yeah, leave your you're kid. You're definitely going to jail for that You can't that leave shit. your kid in the car anymore. You'll go to jail. Yeah. Your kid can't ride in the back of a pickup truck. You'll go to jail. Right. You can't beat your kid's ass for misbehaving, especially in public. God yeah. forbid you, you whoop well, Somebody's going to fucking jail. Yeah, you whoop your yeah. kid in Walmart and see what happens. They're, they're, yeah. Somebody's going to jail. DSS yeah. is going to be at your house talking about why are you beating your kids. True. I'm not beating my kids. My kids stole a candy bar, and I'm teaching them the difference yeah. in right and wrong. Discipline. Uh, Discipline. The lack of yeah. that has, you know, 40 years ago, kids would have never thought about taking a gun to school and shooting up the place. Yeah, man. It's because crazy. They, you know, not only would they have feared the repercussions of, you know, law enforcement, but... You know, Johnny back in little Johnny back in the fifties. Always got to be Johnny. Go ahead. Would have feared the uh, <laughs> the repercussions of of his mom or his dad's belt. Absolutely. And yeah. what, what's going to happen when I go shoot up so and so in the mm-hmm. classroom and my mama shows up? Yeah, now, shit. That, that's worse than the damn SWAT team yeah. kicking in the door. Yeah. Back in the fifties. You're right. Fifties, sixties, seven. Nowadays. That's the last thing on a kid's mind. They don't. They don't fear their parents. They don't no. respect their parents. Their no. parents have no. Parents allow them to get away with entirely too much. Man. Exactly, and that's the evolution of the general population. Yep. That that's what's led to our situation and predicament that we're currently in. Yep. And whether the government or the people themselves are responsible for that, I don't know. But I do know that, you know. 19 early 1900s to now mm-hmm. it's it's an entirely different perception of reality you know, okay. kids yeah. back then would have never thought of doing the things that kids are doing today true and they and it's crazy i was actually thinking about this on the ride over here i was doing some fact checking and some mm-hmm. research uh what's going on with all these school shooters parents so that's a good question. I, I, I don't have the answer, Sway. People, parents, <laughs> parents will go to jail for leaving their kid in a car. Yeah. Cars cranked, AC's running. Yeah. You go in to pay for they'll gas. They'll lock your ass up. They'll lock your ass up. Yeah. There are child endangerment laws that as a firearm owner, you are responsible to maintain control or possession of the firearm at mm-hmm. all times. If it's not in your possession, it has to be in your control. Right. In your control means that it's out of reach or unable to access via a minor or a unsupervised individual. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, if good example, if for instance, you know, one of my firearms is at the house, it doesn't have a cable lock in the chamber. It's not in a gun safe. It's not out of reach. And God forbid one of my children shot themselves with it. Mm. I would be at fault for that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the government would would impose their yeah, you, their authority upon you're the that. piece of shit that allowed this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in in that situation, I would be faulted. Right. But we've got multiple situations. I think it was like seventeen school shootings so far in 2019. <sighs> and of the seventeen, you know, the majority of them were minors. Damn. Um, all of them obtained firearms illegally. They they either took them from their parents. They, they stole them. They, you know, there were numerous different ways they obtained them, but all illegally. Right. Uh, That's crazy, man. No, as so far as crazy. I know, and I even, I tried to do some research on it. I couldn't find anything, but uh, as far as I know, none of these 
school shooters' parents have been arrested or disciplined. <laughs> the the last one in Colorado, wow. it, it said specifically that it was a 16-year-old male assailant, and he stole the firearm from his parents. Oh, shit. So they, they didn't charge the parents at all? As far as I know, I haven't been able to find anything stating mm, that mm, any mm, of the mm. there's 17 shootings this year and as far as i know nobody's parents have been arrested damn what 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 is it like what makes a child wake up and say you know what i'm gonna go shoot the fucking school up today reality and fantasy they don't understand cause and effect and direct correlation of action number one mm. number two they're, and it, this is going to sound like just off the wall. Zero tolerance for violence is a policy implemented by the federal government for schools nationwide, for the entire education system. Mm -hmm. It was a part, you know, the Bush administration, the Obama administration, they implemented a lot of educational. Uh, acts and legislation that dictated uh, no child left behind. It was like a standard practice for testing and scores, and mm -hmm. you had to be in compliance in order to receive federal funding. Right. Same thing with uh, with this zero tolerance policy for violence, the no bullying, uh, a lot of these different laws. You know, Damn. Used to, somebody was bullying you, you punched them in the face, that was the end. You're damn of it. right. <laughs> that, that was the end of it. Yes. There, there was no prolonged, continuous, antagonizing right. situation. Right. Now, and, and this is something I can't wrap my mind around. My mom works in public education. Um, my sister works in law enforcement. So this is a topic of discussion a lot. Uh, I honestly feel like, you know, something that me or, me or you as kids would have dealt with by smacking a guy with our literature book or, or shoving him in his locker, punching him in the face. <laughs> right. They're, they're scared to do that because of the disciplinary consequences. Mm. They, you, you punch a guy in the face, you're automatically suspended for 10 days. Yeah. That's now in, in where I live, my home County. And I, I don't know if it's nationwide or if it's just Gaston County or if it's wherever, but I do know for a fact in Gaston County, if you're 16 or older, the school will press charges on you for assault. Yeah. Oh, if, I went through that. Yeah. If, if you if Hell you're yeah. in a physical altercation, you you'll go to jail from school. Absolutely. There. Yes. So not only do you get suspended, you go to jail. Mm -hmm. It's they they're scared to fight. They're not allowed to fight. They can't. Yeah. They can't learn the mentally lessons that have to be taught. Through physical altercation. Yeah, you have to learn that it's okay. I mean, I hate to put it this way, but you have to learn it's okay to get punched or it's okay to get your ass whipped or whatever and to live to see another day and to be a better version of yourself the next time around. Like, that needs to be learned. Absolutely. I that, agree. That's lessons that we're failing to teach our younger generation. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand it because in that situation, I would never resort to that. Right. But I honestly feel like a lot of these kids are bullied or picked on or are in a situation that may 
deem a, a violent or response, but because their hands are tied and they're, they're fearful of the consequences of that, mm. they let it fester and push them to a point that all hope's lost. God damn. So you got to go and kill motherfuckers. And like I said, I That's don't crazy, justify man. it. And I don't, nah, there's no justification I don't for know that. that I would ever resort to that. If I, if I were in that situation and I was being bullied continuously over and over and over again, Damn. And I failed to act because I was scared of the consequences. When I did act, it wouldn't be with a firearm. It doesn't and have to be. I would, I would just finally snap and be like, screw yeah. it. I'm going to get suspended. Go beat the shit you out know, of the last it, motherfucker that talked shit to you. Yeah, beat would, his ass to a motherfucking pulp. Make him an example and let motherfuckers know. Like, tell him, like, hey, man, we're done. Like, that shit is done. I'm not putting up with that shit anymore. That's all you have to, but to just come in and open fire on. Innocent motherfuckers, man. People that, you know, ugh, that disgusts me. There's a, what's your thought? There's a, talking about school shootings and, you know, gun-free zones being dangerous and parenting. Mm-hmm. I, I think lack of parenting has a big involvement with it. But Agreed. Also, don't necessarily think that you should arm students. Now, can't, now, now, maybe college level, maybe, yeah. maybe because they're of. The, I don't know if they're ready for that responsibility. Well, man. technically, they are. Most college students are already legally able to possess a firearm, which is part of the problem. They just cannot you can't give undeveloped. So, college to me, like I don't know when I think of college students, the average college college student, in my opinion does not have a very well-developed mind. So I don't feel like you can give someone without a well-developed mind a firearm because... But at 17 years old, you can give an individual a firearm to defend the freedom of this country? Yeah, well, I mean, you know... Before... But he's a goddamn idiot then, too, though. That's the whole shit. True, but... That's where it's kind of messed up because at 17 years old, yeah. you can sign up. To, you can enlist in any branch of service. Yeah, they'll they'll give you With firearms, your machine, machine guns, all kinds of stuff. If your parents don't consent, you can do it at 18. Yeah, which is a fucking year, which makes no yeah. fucking sense. To at, me. at that point, yeah, the the government and the the general population has deemed that you're not old enough to buy tobacco. Mm-hmm. You're not right. old enough to buy cigarettes. You're not old enough to buy alcohol. You're not right. old enough to vote. But yeah. you're old enough to go die in a foreign country. That's some crazy shit. That if I honestly believe that they're they regulate things entirely too much. Mm. But if you're going to regulate things, it has to be blindly. It cannot be right. what benefits you and what doesn't benefit you. So it benefits the general population and the American government to have young, dumb, naive kids mm-hmm. join the military and go defend the country. Because more prominent members of society don't have to do so. If we have a a large voluntary military mm-hmm. fresh out of high school, right? We don't have to take prominent members of society to go die in a foreign country. That's crazy, man. So That's in that aspect, shit. it benefits them. So they've lowered the age and the requirement to target them select individuals. Mm-hmm. Tobacco, alcohol, possession of a firearm <laughs> on domestic soil. Doesn't right. doesn't benefit them, so they they've raised that age. They they've imposed more laws and restrictions because it doesn't benefit them. They need to do screening on these guys, man, who get these guns. 
like they can just go to a gun show or go to uh, wherever and, and, and get guns, man. Because, you know, if a motherfucker has a history of mental health issues, they probably shouldn't have a goddamn gun. I'm just saying, like, and probably shouldn't have a gun. Well, the the current requirements to buy a firearm, mm-hmm. not saying that I, I agree or disagree with them, but that's our, and it's crazy because you keep seeing people push that. Yeah. Background check, background check, background there check. There needs background to be check. something, man. There's there has already to be a background check. No, we we need to know if you've been to the seventh floor at the fucking hospital. If man. you have ever been <laughs> you know what I'm saying? if you have ever been legally committed or yeah. voluntarily committed, yeah, that will show up on a background check. They they also it, well, actually I don't think voluntary does, I but I do know a forceful uh legal uh Commit commitment, like if if a judge or or a cop mm-hmm. says you're going to the seventh floor, yeah. If if they order you to be committed, mm-hmm. that shows up almost like an arrest. God damn. It, it, yeah, show, I, it shows I, up yeah. that you know a judge sends you to to a mandatory seventy two hour psych evaluation, mm. or it shows up that you know you were arrested and sent to the hospital instead of jail f- for a psych evaluation. Damn. Things like that will red yeah. flag you from purchasing a firearm. As it should. There, there is also multiple boxes that you got to check on a firearm application uh, for FBI and for uh, local and federal governments that, mm-hmm. that ask if you have any medical conditions or mental conditions. But if I lie, or what if I go to a freaking gun show and uh, get me some guns at a gun show and I'm like, fuck it. Like, you still have to have a permit to buy from a gun show. Well, so there are loopholes. There, Let me say it that there, way. There's only one yeah. left in existence that I know of. Okay. It, it, it's called a third-party loophole. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure probably by the time we get done talking about it, if not sooner, <laughs> it'll be that loophole will be closed. They've been fighting against it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. It, it will probably go away before very long. The third-party loophole does not pertain to gun shows. Mm-hmm. If you are selling firearms in mass quantity at a at a show, a vendor, a retail store, whatever, you have to have a federal firearms license, mm-hmm. class three permit. And in order for anybody to purchase from you or to have a weapons transaction, they you have to adhere by all standard law. Mm. The the third party loophole only applies to private sellers and individuals such mm. as such as me and you. Okay. If yeah. I, I have a, a vast collection of firearms, you want to buy one. Mm-hmm. My my power bills do. Right. I need some money. You want a gun. You can sell. It. I can sell my gun to you. And <laughs> All because, <right. laughs> because I'm a I'm a private individual, I'm not a, a licensed yeah. firearm dealer. Yeah. I don't have to go through the red tape, the the paperwork, the I don't have to ask if you're committed or if you've got uh convicted felons. I don't have to ask if you have mental health problems. Mm. I don't have to do anything except for sell you the gun and get a bill sale. Right. Yeah. That, that's the third party loophole. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's how I'm gonna get my guns <laughs> next week. <laughs> I have a few. I need more. Um I'm inspired by this conversation to get my hands on more. The the only problem with the third party loophole, the way guns are tracked, that people people 
have a, a misunderstanding of how firearms are actually registered, mm-hmm. quote unquote, or how their traceability works on a firearm. Yeah. Okay. There is no traceability on a firearm. There is absolutely hmm. no. So what about ballistics and all of this when they can trace it back to this serial number for this gun and now, so on and so forth? Now, that that's emphasized a lot in TV. Mm-hmm. The, the likelihood of that ever happening are, are slim. It does occasionally. Reason being is because all the legwork that goes into it. If you run a serial number on a firearm in a, uh, I believe it's called NICS is the database. It's mm-hmm. a FBI database or mm-hmm. a law enforcement database. It's, whatever the cop's computer's hooked to, he punches in the serial number on a firearm. It doesn't say Sean owns this gun. Mm, okay. It, Didn't it, know that. The only thing that it it divulges on that screen is if that gun's been reported stolen mm-hmm. or if it's suspected uh, associated with a crime. Okay. At that point, you go to jail, they take the gun. Right. Okay. If traceability... And this is a lot of people are pushing for one of the things they're pushing for a national registry. Mm-hmm. Hitler pushed for it in 1938. Also, God damn, Hitler. He, uh, he got his, and we see how that ended up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God he, damn. He, used, he used his national database as a uh, as a scavenger hunt list to go collect firearms. God damn. He he imposed a registration for every firearm in Germany. Mm-hmm. Once everybody had registered their firearms and was in compliance, he used that as a list to go collect them all. (laughs) Now I know who's got the guns and where they're at. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Piece of shit. A lot of people are pushing for that now because there's, if you shoot somebody, you leave the gun. They can't, for for whatever reason, you shouldn't leave a gun anywhere. But if you Mm -hmm. left the gun or they they happened to cross the gun in a trash can, say, say you thought you'd been smart. You watched a bunch of movies you wipe it off with some bleach, you wore some gloves, you ditched it in a trash can. Mm-hmm. They find the murder weapon. They know you shot a guy at the bank. Damn. <laughs> so at that point, they have the murder weapon with a serial number on it. At that point, the only way to trace that firearm, they can't run the serial number and say, oh, well, Sean bought this gun. They, I didn't know that. They run that serial number and they trace it back to the manufacturer. So if it's a Ruger, mm-hmm. they trace it back to Ruger. Okay. And they have to subpoena Ruger's sales records. Ruger then will comply with that subpoena. They'll release their sales records and they'll say, okay, we sold 10 of these Ruger LCP380s to this gun store mm-hmm. in May of 2017. Then whoever's investigating said crime will go to that gun store mm-hmm. and they will subpoena their sales records. When they subpoena their sales records, then you have the individual's information who purchased the firearm. Right. Okay. The pro- that's where the third-party loophole comes in, though, that causes a lot of gray area. Because if I buy it from a gun store, then I sell it to you, mm-hmm. and you shoot somebody with it. Oh, shit. <laughs> if you left it at the scene of the crime, the sales records implicate me. Right. And... At that point, it's kind of my word against yours and everybody else's. Mm-hmm. That bill of sale, 90% of people don't even have them notarized. They just write it out. Hey, I sold this gun to my buddy on this day. Right. And then when the police come to lock me up, it's my my word in this little note that says I don't have the gun. I didn't do it. 
I didn't do it. I don't have it. I didn't do it. Listen, man, not going to hold you all night. I'm getting sleepy, actually. <laughs> and no, it's because of medication. I took some medication for the sunburn. Black men get sunburned, bro. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, I didn't know it existed. But I um I appreciate you coming through to have this conversation, man. You, you, you'll never know how much it means and how much it meant. And we got to get back up and and, and, and and explore it some more because it's not done, man. Like, Oh, yeah, you can talk about guns for days and days and days because it goes down all sorts of avenues. You've got school shootings and parents. You've got uh, government issues, political issues. You've got mm-hmm. you know mental health things. There's there's a million different subjects within this one Absolutely. that you can talk about for days and days yeah. and days. That's true. You could, you could change it from the cognac room to the gun room. To the gun room. And we'll talk about guns for the next <laughs> 20 years of your life. We'll tell you about every gun and every bullet shell and how they taste. But <laughs> no, I used to do that, man. I used to actually put bullets in my mouth and walk around with like two twenty-two bullets in my mouth. And mother get mad at me, I spit one out and throw it at them. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> no, it was dumb, but I would literally throw it at them and they'd be like, oh shit, he's gonna shoot you. That's why he threw that fucking bullet. He's gonna shoot you. But you know, I was I was good at intimidation, but uh kind of like what you to piggyback on what you said earlier, like I could intimidate the shit out of somebody at that time in my life, but I wasn't going to do shit. <laughs> All right. So in, in, in typical cognac room fashion, I would like to present you or leave you with a toast. And uh, for this toast, I will say, may God bless you and all your guns. <laughs> And may you always use them wisely. Always. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Facebook at The Cognac Room with host Jay Christian. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore cognac underscore room underscore podcast. And on Twitter, simply at The Cognac Room. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Have a good one.